All right. Hello. Welcome to Artificially Intelligent, the podcast where an African-American black person of color musician in Philadelphia and a lily white cracker ass honky, trying to point to myself, in (laughs) Iowa, comedian in Iowa, um, two old friends take, we take our unique perspectives on life, our, our previous experience as a person of color and a person of lack of color and uh, bring them to today's issues. And then, yes, we, we change and save the world. <laughs> One podcast <laughs> at a time. So uh, the thing I wanted to talk about this week is um, Central Park Karen was in the news, but not big news. I'm surprised that this did not blow up because it had all the if there's a checklist on what's going to make people outraged and get on Twitter and write, you know, whatever the bright, passionate tweets, uh, this seemed to have all the earmarks. It seemed to check a lot of boxes. She did an interview and a podcast and I'm not sure how to phrase what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. Um, She either changed a bunch of what she said from last year when all the shit went down or she expanded on it and said, this is what I wanted to say back then, but couldn't, you know, like she, she gave new information on how I, cause I had never heard before that the, the man, do you remember his name? I don't. Christian something or other. Yeah. Uh, that he had dog treats and she was, and he had a bike helmet and she was worried that he was going to give the dog a treat and then club it with the helmet. Like she was talking about her fears when last year she, she apologized and said, Oh, I overreacted. I shouldn't have done that. And the thing I find interesting about it is, I guess the ego, and I'm not picking on her and saying her ego, but the way the human mind works, that the further away you get from an event, the more you want to protect yourself and or make yourself the hero. And we yes. all do it. Everyone does it. Yes, absolutely. We reverse engineer it to a, mm-hmm. to a point of our acceptability. Yep. You know, and that, like you look at something that happens and just backtrack to where this would this path backwards would make me comfortable. That's how we got here. You know, what I mean? yeah. it's like, yeah, we yeah. And that's so at the time, a year ago, she she, if I remember correctly, re- released an apology saying, you know, I shouldn't have called 911, something like that. It, I don't know if it felt if it was heartfelt or what, but now she was explaining her justification in calling 911. And I really think it's interesting where it will be. It, it goes to what I spoke about, um, what you and I spoke about several weeks ago, January 6th, and the real-time reinterpretation of that. Uh, and yes. by reinterpretation, I mean outright lying. Like, we have video, we, we have documented video of what happened, and you still have Republicans saying, you know, it didn't happen. They were tourists. Uh, it was only five or ten people. Uh so yeah, I, I, your thoughts. Um, first of all, thoughts on how this didn't take the internet like storm. Is that just our nature as people where something catches or it doesn't catch and we're outraged or we're not even though? I'll, I'll let you yeah. talk for a moment. I've got something in my head that just popped into my head, but go ahead. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, part of it is how do you know what goes viral, right? Like, you know, you can plan it, you can try it and some things do and some things don't, right? I think in the case with her, I I feel like it's a bit of a hoax. Like, I don't say that to be funny, but I'm like, who cares at this point? Like, yeah. he forgave her. 
She got her little slap on the wrist. He was like, I don't really think she needed to lose her job and her apartment and her friends. Well, now and she, the she's suing over the loss of her job. Right. And I think that's what this is all about. It's about her loss of income and the fact that nobody will fucking hire her now, even though she apologized. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. She can say whatever she wants. That's great. Maybe that's what she was thinking. I think he did have dog treats and I think he did have a bike helmet. I think he was wearing the bike helmet, as a matter of fact. But I, but either way, we have the tape. And while everybody says we don't know what happened before that moment, right? Yeah, we, we have is, hysteric and calm. Right. We all have in the her, same moment. Right. We have her going, listen. You know what I mean? Like her dragging the dog around, mm-hmm. her yelling at the guy, then her threatening to call the police. And then when she gets them on the phone, all of a sudden the waterworks start. And it's, oh, I'm scared of my life, the black guy, mm-hmm. which is the African-American man or something, you know. And it's like, but up until that moment, that's not what she was doing. And she had every opportunity to walk away. The dog was on a leash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like she could have just said, Dude, fuck off and walked in the other direction. That's what she could have done. Like, or the was the dog not on? Whatever. I think the dog it was, was on leash because I think she was. I remember everyone was outraged because she right. was yanking. I mean, I, right. The question is: is what was he mad because the dog was off the leash or because it was where it wasn't supposed to be? I think they were where they weren't supposed to be. I think it was and, both. Maybe she. I think she. I think the dog. I, I don't remember. It doesn't matter because right. in the video it was she was, she was yanking out. So either it was off leash, right. but it was. I, yeah, right. I, and this is immaterial because I'm not worried about this. I, I, I'm just because this is rehashing. I don't want to say bullshit, but I'm really curious as to the way memory works and 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 how revisionist history, which where, oh, I didn't even think of that. The the Malcolm Gladwell podcast yeah. where the, the only the one that comes into my one of my favorite ones was the Toyota scare of 2009, which my wife mm-hmm. got a car out of because they had zero percent interest because they were in the toilet. So they said, <laughs> shit, interest free loans, please buy our cars, because uh, to anybody that doesn't know um, back then there, there was this media hype, this media scare saying that Toyotas accelerate without reason and they have these panic phone calls to 911 oh my god my car is 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 it's it's won't stop it won't stop and so they did all this research and found no these dumb fucks just did had their foot on the gas that's literally all it was <laughs> is assholes pressing down on the gas pedal and not just either a lifting their foot off and b putting on the and so his revisionist history is a search for the truth which is interesting because as you and I started this 90% of the time we drift further and further from what actually happened to justify our lives, our decisions. And that's why one of my favorite things to do in life is to blame myself for everything. I blame myself for my breakups. I blame myself for my failures because that way, even if it's revisionist history, I'm not trying to point fingers at other people. (laughs) Well, Ebola. I mean, I remember... I remember a time when I was supposed to talk to one of my exes about something. And at the time, my father was really sick and I didn't call her. Right. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I didn't call her, you know, just not in the right frame of mind. Yeah. But I mean, and it was also just like it wasn't a high priority for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And I imagined the 
like you know in your head you play these little psychodramas you know what i mean oh well when i finally remembered and it was like a day later or whatever i was like oh fuck she's gonna be pissed off she's gonna say this i'm gonna say this we start this like you know like most of life is negotiation you start the pre-fight in your head so that when it happens you can you can really fight which is which is really not wise you know what i mean but like it's also like we we spend so much of our time negotiating but most of it exists in our head like it's not real like most of the negotiations Mm. that we do in life are just in our head it's just bullshit right so i'm sitting there i'm thinking and i was thinking to myself but what a fucking bitch like give, give me a hard time like when my dad's super sick and shit and i was thinking that's not really what happened like i actually just forgot right And I was repainting it in my head as like this thing. And I could watch it happening. I watched it. I watched the thought start to crystallize. And I watched myself start to mentally imagine telling a friend about the audacity of this bitch to be giving me a hard time while my father is deathly ill and all this stuff. And I was like, and I watched it happen. And I watched myself start to believe it. And then I was like, wait, but that's not at all what happened. I just forgot you know what I mean? yeah. and i and and i watched it happen and i was like holy shit that's incredible like i watched myself in real time take the truth and reconfigure it to my comfort zone and i was like well isn't that something special like look at that and i caught myself doing it and the real thing that scared me is how many times do i not catch myself do you know what i mean yeah that's right? goddamn interesting because that right? i was Wow. I, I, that's why, you know, I, I would love for the movie. I remember, I remember seeing it and I, I remember very clear, clearly thinking finally someone um, took what I believe and translated it because I couldn't, it was up here and I, I could never explain it. And then Albert Brooks made defending your life. And I said, yeah. see, that makes sense. And that's, yeah. I, w- I would love for that movie to be accurate. So when you die, you get to see things as they actually happened. So, oh, wow. You know, like, <laughs> that's not how I remember that. Oops, I guess I, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm going to say something egotistical here. Uh, I don't know that I do what we're describing. I'm sure I do. But when I think back, like, I can think of specific instances where, again, I blame myself. I'm like, you know what? That's probably my fault. So I'm not because maybe I'm comfortable with that. Because I don't want to be blaming others, or I can think of a. I'm thinking of a very specific instance right now, um, where where there was a blow up. You and I have talked about it in private, and I never understood what happened, and so I've never gone back and framed it into, oh, she must have been this, or I did that, you know, like f her or what. I've just I've I've remained perpetually confused, mm-hmm. and I kind of like being there because. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't justified anything I did, and I haven't right. really blamed her for anything she did. I've just, I've remained perpetually confused. Do I guess I can, I, instead of being vague, I can just tell you it was the, the this, this girl I won't use her name that we were friends with. We never hooked up, and one day we were hanging out. I think I've, I've told you the story, and you've given me an answer. But we're sitting on my bed, and we're watching TV, and we're just really close, but we're friends, and uh, you're touching children, whatever. And she wanted to watch another program. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a rerun or something. Like we, we could watch something. And she blew up. She's just like, no, I want to try and see that. And then she stormed off. I'm like, fuck just happened. We were just sitting on my bed together watching TV and you stormed out. Um, and I've never understood why. 
and that was the last time we spoke <laughs> and yeah, it could be, she wanted me to make a pass at her or I have, I have no idea. I just, I remember I'm, I'm not yeah. explaining it well, but I mean, I wonder if uh... I would love to see that and know what she interpreted or what I was supposed to do to prevent. I have no idea, you know, but I wonder, I wonder if sometimes you unconsciously take the blame for things that aren't your fault. Right? Like, Probably. If you take like, here's the thing. Everything in your life is your responsibility. Yes. But that doesn't mean it's your fault. Yes. Right? And that's the hard balance for us, right? Like, just because your parents did a, a whatever job, like, I don't know, maybe your parents did an amazing job, or maybe they did a horrible job. Let's just say hypothetically they did a horrible let's lean, job. Let's lean to that second one. Let's, let's <laughs> lean that way. <laughs> let's lean into that one a little bit, right? So... <laughs> So maybe your parents did a horrible job, right? Or not a horrible job. They just did the best they could, and their best just wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to interrupt really... you again, but don't don't let me forget uh, that phrase because I have a story yes. to tell. But um, it doesn't mean it's not your responsibility to do something about it once you're past the age of eighteen. But really, like let's say let's say modern eighteen is now twenty five. Yeah. Right. Because that's about what it is, right? So, but by the time you're 25, it is really, like, I'd say 18, really, if we're being honest. But I don't think I picked up the mantle of responsibility until much after 18, you know? I, I like, honestly uh, didn't until I, I got to 30. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I look like, back on my 20s know. and all the bad decisions I made, and I look at them as an adult, and I and try not, not no judgment, I... I don't think anybody should have a kid before 30 minimum. I, I'm glad I didn't have mine until I did. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I look at people that have kids that, that are too young and I'm like, I just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's more, I think that life is just more than you think it is when you're a young person, you know what I mean? And you have this disdain for age as if it's like, like you kind of know that it's not even like, you know, death is sitting in the corner like with the, on the spinning wheel, like sharpening the scythe, mm -hmm. just sitting there in the corner waiting for you to do something. Cause like life is so fragile, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so fragile, like, you know, just a knock on the head and you never get up again or you jump off of skyscrapers and somehow live, right? Like there are people who jump out of planes all day and they live. And then there are people who just trip down the stairs and, and die, right? Like it's so fragile. And I think that we know that like at a certain point in our life, which is probably why we have a disdain for age to a degree, right? But I think that when you're a young person, I think it's really easy to blame all your problems on other people, particularly if you grew up in a way where, like, you didn't actually have to make decisions for yourself, you know? Now, we come back to Central Park Karen or anybody else. Like, when we get to people who are adults, like 35 and older, let's call yeah. that adult, right? I think it just becomes really problematic if you consistently don't look to yourself as the responsible party at all times. You know, I feel like for me, there was a lot of resentment to be having to be the adult in the room. You know, I'd be like, why do I always got to be the adult in the room? Or why do I, you know, like, mm -hmm. like it was like some kind of burden or something to be an adult, you know? 
And I think one day it just hit me. I'm like, well, I am an adult. So if I'm in the if I'm in a room, then I'm an adult in the room, which makes me by default the adult in the room. There may be other adults, but it makes me one of the adults in the room just by default. You know what I mean? Because I'm over 35. So it's like, well, that means I should stop being pissed off about this. You know, and that's a real thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I for me just kind of starting to do that. I don't know how people are supposed to do that in today's world. You know, like, honestly, mm, like explain meaning like with the kind of narrative warfare that we have going on is I think is really hard for any one person to actually discern what is the truth and what isn't the truth. I was just going to say, because being told the, when you said the first thing I thought of was uh, this, this fucking, and I hate it. I really hate it. Speak your truth. Okay. But your truth isn't the truth. And that goes back to where this started. If you reframe something um, to, you know, make yourself feel better about something that happened, that doesn't mean it's the truth. And I, I, I dislike this, this idea that every single person gets to speak their truth. I'm not saying we need to squash individualism. I'm not saying any, everybody's a liar, but it, the idea that everyone has their own version of what happened and that's the right version for them because it makes them feel better that's that's not how a society thrives and again it goes to january 6th when you have people saying it was antifa and that's how i sleep at night you know and and when because they don't want to believe that their party is the one that that rose up against democracy i mean here's the thing i'll bet you that some of the people were just there because it was, you know, what somebody call it, Burning Man for douchebags or something. You know? <laughs> like, well, I mean, there are a lot of people that milled about on the lawn outside. You know, yeah, they, there they, are a lot of people who are just there like, oh yeah, I, I support Trump. I think he, I want him to be president. He said to march down here, but yeah, and and I they think didn't a lot of people go, who really you know, believed. Like, here's the thing. It's like the abortion thing, right? Wait a second. Back up one second. Are you saying people at Burning Man aren't douchebags? Because I would argue that uh, against that know. as well. I, I've never been. I've seen I pictures. Just, it looks pretty similar sometimes. Hip, hippie douchebags as opposed to political douchebags. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like I, Eric Cartman and his his anti-douche, anti-hippie stance. That's... They're uh, in the walls, he said. <laughs> and it's oh, guitar, yeah. guitar down a couple of joints. Let's keep him busy for a while. I think my... F- <laughs> One oh, of my favorite moments great. of all time was seeing that episode for the very first time. Oh, and God. they go and plug rain and blug in. And this above shot of the crowd just dissipating. Oh, man, this bums me out. So angry. Just like, I, I just pictured Tom uh, Araya sitting at home going, cool. You know, like just, just enjoying that his band was being used to, to break up a, a hippie drum festival, drum circle. Yeah, I mean. Dude, the first time I saw many of those South Parks, man, I almost pissed myself laughing. That shit's so funny. Um, Before we get too far Mm. away from it, uh, the one Mm -hmm. thing I wanted to go back to is you talk about parenting and and responsibility. Uh, I remember full well, and I I, I I can't translate this to to any which way to to contort it to a different reality. I don't think this is just the way I remember it. 
um, in Madison where my mom lives. And I don't remember the catalyst. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what happened, but I do remember my mom sobbing, just sobbing, just full on, not like movie single tear, like crying. And, and she kept saying over and over, I'm so sorry. We messed up your childhood, but I did the best I could. I just did the best I could. I was trying so hard. Your father and I, we did. I'm sorry. And I just sat there and like, I don't blame you for anything. Like, I know you did. I, I, I don't, I'm not, cause I was an adult. I was full on adult at this time. I was in my twenties, late twenties or something. I, I don't remember. I, but I just remember, I remember that. And, and I find it interesting because you hear about people that wait for that moment where, where they're just like, yes, I finally got you to admit that you screwed me up. And I remember at that moment, I was just like, I, I don't, I don't blame you for anything. I know you did the best you could. I had to figure it out on my own. And sure, I carried a chip on my shoulder when I was a teenager. That's kind of what you do as a teenager. I just took it to a little extreme because of my childhood. Carried over to my 20s. My bad. But I eventually figured it out. And yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't need that. I, I, we talked about it. It was, it was, it was cathartic for her. And, but she, she appreciated the fact that I said, look, mom, I, we're, we're good. We're, we're fine. I don't worry about it. Like mm-hmm. now that I'm saying it, I probably should have said, I forgive you. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe, maybe people like to hear that. Maybe. I don't know, but I don't know. Well, I don't blame you for anything I think is better in my mind, but yeah, that, that's what I thought of is, is I don't remember consciously ever saying, wow, I better man up and figure my life out. I just got to an age where I started figuring it out. And then as fucking hippies say, yeah, I had to let go of my anger because all it was going to do is, you know, drag me down and give me cancer and make me make everyone hate me. You know, nobody likes a bitter pill. Yeah. I mean, I'll say. Yeah, there was there was a, a point in my life where I was looking, thinking about all the people who would really like. Like all the fucked up stuff that kind of led me to be the fucked up version of myself that I was at this particular point in my life, you know, mm-hmm. and I could at the, at a certain age, I could really chart back to some of like early, early, like first, second grade, third grade memories, you know, <clears throat> past third grade. I don't really have any. There's like a real gap in time between third grade and eighth grade, seventh <laughs> grade, maybe, you know, and and that was probably the worst part of my childhood. And I literally... Hey, you you pulled a me. Not, you blocked it all out. I don't I remember shit from my life. I do not have any memories of it. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I didn't have any memories of it until maybe just like a couple months ago. Hmm. I was listening to, a John, to John Fogarty from uh, CCR. CCR. Yeah, listen to him and uh, listen Good to his stuff. book. And... Um, He's talking about his childhood and how music got started in him. And then he's telling all these stories from all these different points in his life. And, you know, I had a little rock and roll fantasy. Like, what would I, what would my book be about? What would be about this fucked up thing in first grade? This fucked up thing in second grade? This fuck, <laughs> these series of fucked up things in third grade? And then what happened in fourth? Hmm. Hmm. Fifth grade? Sixth? Who are even my teachers? Oh, I don't remember any teachers. Yeah, but I can remember first grade. I can remember second grade. I can remember third grade teacher's face. Can't remember her name, but I can remember her face. 
And uh, and it was back when <clears throat> you know you had one teacher all day. Yeah. Or like for like sixty percent of the day you had one teacher. So you know these people were in my life for a while, and I couldn't remember them. But what I realized is that at a certain standpoint, I said, well, I can hunt all these people down and explain to them what they did to me and how they did it and how it fucked me up. And they could say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That was not my intent. And then I could rethink, you know, like you find out a new piece of information and it repaints the past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let's say, you know, you find out that like, you know, your girlfriend's cheating on you. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Oh, that happened. So, I remember that. Yeah. Right, you're like, about- <laughs> so wait a minute. So every time she went to the gym, does she really go to the gym? Like all of a sudden, like every single action gets called into question. It gets repainted through a right. different thing. Or wait, you find out your friend is a secret conspiracy theorist. And then all of a sudden, all their weird little quirky things are like, oh, wait a minute. That's actually weird. You know what I mean, like, like there's a certain amount of information that made that makes you repaint the past in a different way, right? Yeah. And so I I got to a point where I was like, you know, if they apologized, I could then repaint the past and let myself off the hook, right? Because part of it is just guilt, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, like I feel so shitty because I got tricked by something that as an adult is so easily transparent. You know what I mean? Like teachers who were fucked up or whatever it was, or just me being fucked up or me misunderstanding something could be a whole host of things. Right. But like, as an adult, I can look back and see that there's a spectrum of things that it could have been right. Not just one thing. And if this person apologized, all I would do is go, okay. And let myself off the hook. Right. And say, see, it's not my fault somebody else did this to me right then i was like well what if i just do that now you know mm-hmm. like what if yeah. i just say hey this is not my fault i was six right like i was six and i was at the age in which you'd believe in santa claus so my teacher told me something fucked up and i believed it or they did something fucked up and i believed it or i interpreted something as fucked up because i was six you know back, back like, up what's this know? about santa claus <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, well, no, I do because this harkens back to if I don't know if you remember, we talked about um, we have a podcast somewhere in our history that I believe I titled Forgiveness. Yes. And shit, I might have even told that mom story on it. Come to think of it, I have no idea. But uh, just talk about one of my exes, my ex, the big ex, the one that, you know, not got away because thank God she got away. It would have been a disaster. Uh, but the one that cheated on me, um, right. one that uh, talk about this idea called closure i could repaint history and and blame her for everything um instead i choose to say oh well i saw the warning signs and i signs and i decided to stay with her and pursue and so that's on me (laughs) but also the more important part is at at some point i just you talk about uh, closure or forgiveness instead of needing that person to apologize or finding out why they did what they did you just sort of go okay that happened like yeah. it happened in my life. I can either dwell on it. I can either hold anger until I hear from them. Um, there, there are so many things you can do. There are a myriad of paths you can take. And the one I choose to take as often as I can is, okay, it happened. Deal with it and move on. You don't need another person for closure. You don't need another person for forgiveness. You don't need to repaint history to make yourself the villain or the good guy. You just have to accept what happened because it happened and then 
move forward. And it doesn't sound like Central Park Karen has done that. I mean, and you can see why, because her life was completely upended. She woke up one morning, just a normal person. And the very yeah. next day, she was an Internet sensation with everybody oh, knowing who she was and <laughs> for all everybody the wrong hating reasons. For yeah. all the wrong reasons, you know, I mean, here's the thing, right? She was like Rebecca There's... Black with talent. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Central Park Karen can sing, but I, I just popped it in my head. So I went with it. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I think that, I mean, it's an interesting thing because it's not what happens. It's how we interpret it, right? Most how of we life deal with is it. about how we interpret it and how we deal with it. The thing is that like, like, I agree with you. There comes a point where you have to say, this is what happened. This is what's going on. This is what my bank account looks like, right? Whatever it is, like, this is what my relationship looks like. This is what my life looks like. This is what my bank account looks like. This is my car really does need an oil change. Whatever, right? That little light that's blinking telling me to go isn't just cute and, and flashing to the music in time. It actually <laughs> means I need to change my fucking oil. You know, like there's a lot of just <clears throat> real realities that we often have to face. I will say, though, that like, and I know it sounds silly because it does sound like it's not like, I understand that it's hard, like young people. If we, take, if we take it out of ourselves for a moment so it's not personal, I feel like, I feel, okay, we'll make it personal, then not personal. I was going to say, I you can't like, say you know, it's not personal, and uh, then I feel. You have to say, I think, because well, thinking is what you think. Feeling is, right. I, I feel like ice cream today, not, you know, like, like, well, well I, 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 like I don't that. feel um, Newton's theory of relativity. Right. <laughs> But like, but what it is, is like, I don't, I don't feel like I was trained for the world. I, I feel like the world I was trained to function in is not the world that we now have. Right. I, I bet anybody <clears throat> feels right. that as they age. Yeah. Like, I feel like, well, I just feel like the, the, the rate that technology shifted in our life. Oh, absolutely. Completely changed the landscape of things. Yeah. Like it used to be like, you kind of weren't shit until you were 40. You know, like if you were a doctor, a lawyer, an anything, any any job that is like a skill-based job, one of these things that we call meritocracies, right? Like if you're the best lawyer, you win the most cases, shit like that, you know? That kind of stuff takes time, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when we grew up, you weren't expected to be a millionaire at 22. You just weren't. You yeah. know what I mean? Like nobody... That wasn't a thing. Like, if you were a millionaire at 22, it's because you inherited some money or you had a big-ass shovel and accidentally found oil in your backyard. You know what I mean? Like, people stumbled upon millions occasionally, right? <clears throat> but the amount of millionaires under... Remember, like, there used to be, like, the 40 under 40 and 30 under 30 and yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that's not even a thing. You yeah, know, now you have a seven-year-old unwrapping presents on YouTube. That makes right. $22 million. Right, exactly. Right, that has a Patreon account to get more fucking presents. Right, it's like the fuck, right? It's a self-sustaining ecosystem. And great. that's why I love in my <laughs> Facebook feed whenever I click on the wrong thing um, and then my feed becomes full of uh, how to make YouTube work for you. And like every yeah. so often I'm weak. I'm like, all right, well, click. And it's like, you need a brand. 
get a YouTube channel, post some videos. I'm like, okay, you know, like, like it's that easy. You post a video and then you sit back. Millions of hits. Come on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. But I think make sure you you use the right keywords. Thanks. Uh, The fuck. You know, this is the advice people pay for this. I mean, it's nonsense. But, but I do think that they're, that, you know, like, I was talking to a younger person the other day and they were talking about, we're arguing about whether or not they can do something or not. And they're like, yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I just don't know how. And I think that that's a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a real thing. Like, I can be hyper aware of my problems. I always use the joke, like I, di- I dined out, I was dining out on my diagnosis of myself for a decade. You know, like, I know what's wrong with me. Sure, I understand that, but... Like, oh boy, you know, I have this problem. And I know exactly where it came from. It came from the fact that my teacher did. My parents did this thing. And And I have a real clear analysis of it. None of that helped me solve it. Right? Like, my mind is very good at dissecting things. It's like a scalpel. It's very good at dissecting. It's not necessarily good at putting back together. Like you don't use a scalpel to put things together. You use it to take things apart. And I feel like in this country, at least for me, right, right, we're going to use our, our, our feelings. I feel like we've been taught to use our minds in one direction very highly. Like hmm. we're, we're very critical. Like I yeah. know how to look at a situation and be hypercritical. Like I can look at, look at myself in the Zoom thing and I can go, Oh God, man, is that mic too far? Is that too close? Oh, does that look good? Is it, oh my God, there's a gap in my guitars. Jesus, there's like three there and a space there. Like, what the fuck? That's, just That's so why I don't, people, like, I don't know if anybody that watches notices this, but I'm always looking at them because I have no idea what you or I are doing. I'm always just looking right. at the camera. I can sort right. of see us, but it's like, right. I'm maintaining eye yeah. contact. Right. Hi, exactly. viewer. How are you? But that way I don't have to go through with that. Every right. day so often I glance down and I see myself. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have worn black. Now I'm just a floating head because I have all the dark. But, right. you know, <laughs> I by not looking, right. I don't think about it. Honestly, it's it's I mean, it's liberating. Uh, Another I mean, hippie I word, think, liberating. I think you're absolutely right. It's just an interesting thing for me. That, but I mean, even like I find that when I listen to music, sometimes I listen from the point of finding out what I don't like about it versus what I do like about it. And well, that's a that makes me that changes my perspective on on yeah. songs. I can listen to a song that I don't like and go, well, is there anything about this that I do like? And when I find the thing I do like, then all of a sudden I can like the song. Right. Well, to make you feel better about that, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what show he was on, but Sting gave an interview where he said all he listens, he can only listen to classical music because yeah. If he listens to anything else, he just sits there and picks it apart the entire time. Right. <laughs> it's like, so if you're on the right. same page as Sting, you're not doing so bad. But, I mean, but he didn't say, he didn't say, he didn't say, he didn't say, I think about it as in terms of what sucks. He just thinks about, oh, that was clever. That wasn't clever. That was clever. Right. That was absolutely. Clever. Yes. Yeah. What, what it is, is I, I, I stand in a point of judgment yeah. of interpretation of whether or not something is good or bad, as if my opinion matters. Right, like, is it right. my opinion matters on some fucking hit song on top ten radio? Like, I used to do that like with comedy, and I'm very happy I don't right. do it anymore. I just sit back and like, all right, that's that's I, I yeah. I'm much more comfortable now that I don't do that. I, I'm so glad Absolutely. I got out of that habit. And 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 what you also start to realize is that everybody's at a different part in their process. Yeah, it's not a, one; it's not a race, right? 
but two well, society seems to set it up like a race where absolutely you and i are ignored absolutely. because we're old men and younger better faster even though well that's the scary <laughs> part to go back with you it's not younger better faster it's this weird perception of younger equals better when i see open micers on stage who you know I, I'm, I'm just looking like okay that's where they're at but other eyes looking yeah. like ooh. well i mean i think it's a different kind of caste system i think if we look at like caste you know you have like all oh, your racism sexism all these different isms right everything but you it, know i'm very racist and sexist so i have all right. these yes exactly <laughs> but if you if you think about caste from a I, I need to interrupt you. I apologize. Yeah. As soon as we're done, send me the book you read because you always bring it up. Oh. Book, but you, I don't think you've ever told me the title. Oh, you need to read this book I read. So I need a text. So I, I mean, know it's what actually read. called cast. So that's oddly enough what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Actually, so, why am I saying after? Let, let's give it to anybody that happens to be watching. Do you remember the author's name? Well, cast by Isabel Wilkerson. All right. I imagine a lot of people have real issues with it because it brings up a lot of stuff that's, uh, that's really difficult to deal with. Right what i would call difficult truths right but her truth but right exactly but one of the things that she says in in the book is she talks about different like if you think of caste as a kind of hierarchical system put in place where one person gets benefits and one person doesn't right and there's the kind of understood hierarchy that everyone's supposed to function under right we immediately go to things like race and gender, right? And then we start creating all these stories in our head, either A, that's true, that's not true, this is just more of this other stuff, or that's so true, God damn it, I wish more people knew, whatever it is, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Let's take it out of the context of race and gender for a second. Imagine you run a tech company and a 58-year-old comes in and wants to be a programmer versus a 22-year-old. What's your immediate thought? You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Like you immediately have a hierarchy and you um, without even listening to either one of them, you've already made a massive amount of assumptions. The 50 year old, 58 year old can't code. Right. Yep. And they can't program. And the 20 something year old is going to wipe them under the table. And that may not be true. Now, is there a statistical probability that the 20, 24, 26 year old is better and knows more or just grew up with it and has it integrated into their system. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, maybe there's some truth in that, right? No, there's, there's probably, it's, it's, it's statistically it's, probably true, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't. I mean, that's right, why they say blind right. resumes are the best. No names, no genders, absolutely. just what is a resume? What absolutely. is it? And Yeah. And, and, and there's something very real about that, right? Like there is a hierarchy. We have a, a real, a, a real system of like, cast by age mm -hmm. you know yep and and you can see it because and it's not about talent it's not about whether or not you're good or not it's what it's about something else and but it's kind of just baked into the system that we have here where we idolize youth like we act like we don't do you know why you that have, is though why why we do it yeah. are you gonna tell me or are you asking me no i i have a thought that just popped into okay. my head and i i'm then i doubt it's original me. i'm sure i read it i'm sure i heard it <laughs> Um, started somewhere in the seventies and eighties where, um, kids started getting allowances and, um, things like Jaws and Star Wars and going to the movies mm -hmm. and suddenly industry realized, oh, wait a second, 
I'm not going to turn a 40 year old or even a 30 year old, but mostly 40. I'm not going to turn a 40 year old that's buying Coke his whole life into a Pepsi drinker. So I got to target the youth because two things. One, they spend their money like morons. It's what they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at the stack of CDs I, and, and I, 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 I can forgive myself because who saw Spotify coming? Nobody. But if right. I really sit down and think of all the money I spent on music, oh, fuck, I, I would have so many thousands of dollars. So I mean, dude, many thousands of dollars. I spent on iTunes. Yeah. Free Spotify, not even CDs, just my iTunes yep. library. Exactly. And so I can sell that shit. You know what I mean? I can sell my CDs for three bucks. Not now. Not really, like a not dollar, now. No, you can't get shit for them. The whole point is, <laughs> Um, that's it's a dumb example. It's not dumb examples. They're just fine. But everything is that way. Um, youth spends differently than I'll just fuck. All right. Um, but I have been, I told you off air beforehand that I got lucky. I'm watering my lawn and mm -hmm. uh, I almost forgot to turn it off and left it on all night. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I'm um, I have gone back and forth to the store and tonight was, it was my favorite night because I finally found a sprinkler that worked very well, but you know, I sat at the store today for 10 minutes, picking up and looking at different sprinklers and like, do I want to buy this one? Whereas a 20 year old is just going to walk in and go, eh, fuck it and grab one. Like youth I mean, spends money yeah. faster and it's, it's more disposable because youth, they have an apartment. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have a kid for the most part. Like, so that is why we cater to youth because wow. it, they, they will fuel the economy. Yes, in a sense, <laughs> and 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 parents are easy to manipulate if you go even younger. Yeah, right. Like mm -hmm. movies are worse and worse and worse because once the kids say I want it, and this kind of generation they say they want it, the parents have no choice but to take them to see some crappy movie, and you can yes see. Yes, and no, right? they have a choice. I shot my kids down a lot. The one time I did yeah. take them, I sat in the lobby. I'm like, you're going to go into the theater, and I will wait for you. Right? If anything <laughs> yeah. goes wrong, you come right out to here. You don't talk to anybody. But yeah, I. Uh, I sat and read yeah. a book. I said, I'm not yeah. going to sit through that shit. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I mean, good Lord. But I do think that there, there's, I think that there's an innate, I don't know if it's innate or if it's learned behavior. That's the thing, right? Because when it comes to cast, what I find is that if we use cast in terms of stuff like race for just a minute, even though I, I don't want to go down this path, I mean, yeah. we could, but. We've whatever. talked about race on this podcast. Yeah. There's, uh, there's no, there's no need, right? Yeah. The thing is that we'll talk about it again in the future. We but there's a difference between racism and casteism, mm -hmm. right? Which we've and discussed, the, the, which you have enlightened me on, made very good points. Well, but one of the major things is that one is an absolute and one is part of a continuum. Yeah. Right. If you're a racist, that's an absolute. You burn crosses, you do this, you do this, you do this, right? You feel and a certain right? way about other people. And there's people. real malice behind it, right? If you're a casteist, if that's a word, right? It's based on, you don't have to actually dislike people. You don't have to be a bad person. You don't have to be anything. You can be sweet and loving and have lots of friends of all different kinds. It's just, there's an assumed hierarchy when you interact with people. Or and and wherever you are in that hierarchy is how you behave, right? Like, like a funny example would be. No, like, again, I think that, I don't. Uh, I was thinking about a podcast I listened to a while ago about because uh, caste is very big in India, and yes. the podcast podcast was about caste taking hold in America, in Indian America, where 
to, to be stereotypical, they come over in engineering and um, tech jobs. And if enough Indian Americans end up in a place, they start to suss one another out, or at least the guy, the people in the higher cast start to like, so uh, what, what's your last name or where are you, right. you know, what part I, of it? Yeah. And, where are you from? What are you yep, family? What part do? of India? And yeah, this thing absolutely. was about people that, that came from the lower caste system in India and thought they escaped it in America. Like, okay, I'm free. Yeah. And suddenly like, Hey, wait a second. I was passed over for promotion. And it went to this guy that was here soon, you know, less than I was, but, yes. Oh, let's trace the lineage. It's taking hold in America, just just Absolutely. Indian caste system. Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah, and that's real shit, right? And so you say they can and, be kind and loving, but there's it's it's judgmental. It is a superiority system. Judgmental. It's, yeah, but I mean, it's also just like who you expect to have a certain role, and who you're willing to accept in that role, right? Like, hmm. you know, like. Again, like everybody's totally psyched about their their Indian programmers popping over. Hmm. But if that guy starts to go for CEO, what does yeah, that look like? That Do you know would, what I mean? People and get not, a little pissy. And, and, and I'm not saying they will or wouldn't. I'm just saying, think about it for a second. No, no. They, I, the, they, right, they want like, the old white guy yeah, in the CEO position because right, that's exactly. what they've always seen. Right. And, and, that, and, and that doesn't mean that they, don't, they hire Indian people. They hire all kinds of people. And they don't think any, they don't think that they're being racist or casteist or anything like that but i'll, I'll go you one further you know, i'll tell you a quick story the 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 founder of chibani you know his story right okay uh a, i'm not going to go into detail he, he he's muslim he he came up with the idea of chobani and marketing it and now it's multi-billion and he started trying to help bring in syrian refugees and give them jobs and i believe it was idaho um this community in Idaho that had a Chobani factory was all like, oh, we love him. He saved our town. He gave us all these. Wait a second. Why is he bringing more Muslims in? We love him. You know, and it was very conflicting for him. They, they weren't outright saying no more Muslims, but they said they were very conflicted as well. Like, wow, we love him. He gave us jobs. He gave us stock in this, his own company. He treats us well. <laughs> but he wants to bring these people that wear this shit on there. They worship the wrong God. Like, you know, it's the same God as you worship. It's just a different way. But, you know, it's like. It, it was it was he's good, but one's enough, you know? Yes. And this brings us right back to our initial assessment, right? If Central Park Karen saw a white dude with a baseball cat, with a baseball helmet mm -hmm. and, and dog treats and dog treats, and he told her that she's not supposed to be walking her dog there, would she defer to him? Or would she have called the cops in the same way, right? Or even now, if she didn't defer to him, would she have called the cops, or would right, she have, and, would right, she have and, just yelled and, at him back and forth, or just, yeah? Right, and we don't know the answer to that, but we don't know the answer, right? No, we don't. And, we, and can, we, we can we can suspect. We can assume. Well, if Black Lives Matter protested and broke in the Capitol, it all got shot. Maybe I tend to believe that if you had, I don't know how many people were there. But if all those faces were black faces and they were busting in, breaking windows and beating cops up, I think it would have been a big deal. I think people yeah. would have reacted differently. I can't prove that because that's not what happened. Do you know what I mean? Like black yep. people didn't run around and beat up cops with American flags and fire and fucking fire extinguishers and shit. Right. That's not what happened. So I don't know. I can only make assumptions. What I what I will say is that. 
there's a lot of like the guy named Charles Murray wrote a book. He we wrote uh, <clears throat> he co-wrote the Bell Curve back in the day, and he has a new book called Facing Reality or something. And basically, it's about listen. We keep saying these things are racist, and we keep saying this, and we keep saying this, but there are definite there. We act like that. There's no, there's no, no measurable mean differences in races. It's like, oh, well, you know, like well, we we talk about violent crime and this, that, and the other thing, and blacks are more likely to do that. So if they're more likely to do that, then if you have, if you're afraid of them and you react that way, then that's not racism. That's just whatever, right? And I'm paraphrasing because that he, seems he doesn't. He's never been to Appalachia. Huh? That's me being racist against. I mean, people. this is this is this is what I say to people. I'm like, they go, well, I've been around black people. They're like this. I'm like, listen, any poor disenfranchised people act like this, no matter what color they are. Yeah. And whatever this is, right? And what you'll find when they say this is they mean one thing. But in most poor disenfranchised people, you know what I know? I know a lot of really hard workers. I know a couple of criminals. I know a couple of people living off the system, and I know a couple of people who who fucking spend their time drink drunk and high mm-hmm. right People I know the are cross different. Yep. and you know what and i know them in multiple races i know yeah i don't know more of one person who lives that way than another person what i know though is that when i listen to him talk and he starts talking about white people i'm like first of all what the fuck do you mean by that dickhead because white wasn't a thing until like Irish people weren't white until 1850. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know what Italians. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know what Italians were. Other Eastern Europeans who looked very white. Other Europeans didn't become that until the early 1900s. Like we're still telling Polak jokes in the 1980s. Right. I mean, like, like let's not act like if you say, well, the mean average of white people their IQ, it's like, really? Get out of here. And then it's like this violent thing. I'm like, well, if you don't classify what white people did from <laughs> what, like, Jim Crow lasted until the 70s down south. Like, that's the 70s, dude. More black people got lynched after Reconstruction than during the whole slave yeah. The whole and all the Confederate like, statues went up well right. after, you know, like right. in the, I mean, in the like, 20th century, they right. went up. And they're like burning towns and flooding people and lynchings daily, bringing their children to lynchings and shit. And that's not considered. We're not going to talk race, though. Let's get away. Right. But, that, <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, it's like, I don't, I'm not saying that there are not mean averages that are the mean, that the averages could be different and from different groups and things like that. But like, let's start actually compiling all the information together. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's not like take. Let's not pick and choose what you think is accurate to do such things. You know what I mean? And I feel like that kind of cast thinking is dangerous. Right. Like the inability to see the problem in one's own community. Do you know what I mean? And I, I do, and but I want to. I want to interrupt quick because yes. we should start to bring this home. But the, sure. I, I think the. It, it, what he's doing, it sounds like to me, is rewriting it and and framing it in a way that he's comfortable with. You know, oh, these black people are violent. So if you I feel mean, bad, that's not racism. Right. Ignoring everything you just said about white history 
which you know uh, let's let's not even pretend to do like american guilt or american exceptionalism fucking england conquered the shit out of the world you know i mean i that that's I mean, pretty white crime right there so I mean, the idea dude, that white listen, violence isn't a part of it yeah so what he did is he reframed he did the central park, park karen thing we got to a point where oh white people aren't so bad right now at this day um ignoring everything that came up to right now i mean yeah i mean and the funny thing is that like if you always read books and ideas based on what your liberal interpretation of the bible that is self-centered you're right like if everybody reinterprets their thing their way you get a fascinating thing because like again it's difficult to talk about this stuff outside of race only because and from a historical standpoint it's not that i know a lot about race in that sense but i just there's a my historical pinpoints are my historical like guideposts are based through this country through certain time periods so there's just shit i know right so i'm trying to figure out a way not to talk using something else to talk about but like <coughs> there's a book called <coughs> yurugu i don't remember exactly who wrote it hard book to read but there's another book called the ice man cometh and these are books written, they're a critique of white European of European-centric thinking and history and where what it has done and where it has gone. And when you read it, you're like, oh my God, this is a very different interpretation of this very same act. Yeah. Told from a different perspective. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm sure the Indian uh, back to them uh, experience right. with Britain is a lot different from the British one where they're like, right. oh, these uppity Indians like, yeah, right. you kind of came to our country. And right. But also, like, when you read historical accounts of this country by other people, the yeah. English people in 1865 came over here and were like, I can't believe this person is walking around with other human beings in chains and has the right, has the audacity to look me in my eye and not see that what they're doing is an affront against God or whatever, right? Like the whole world looked at what we were doing here. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? The Germans how, came. Wait over. a second. How fast did, how I far mean, behind slavery were we? Because the rest of the world, we didn't yeah, invent they, it. We just they, did it. No, but we did it differently though. Hmm. That's the thing. Like, like we really did do it differently. Like American chattel slavery isn't actually the same as what other people did. I'm not saying it's worse or better. Yeah, yeah. But it is different. It's not okay. the same thing. You know what I mean? Like you could actually buy yourself out of most other kinds of slavery. Is that me? Like you really could, you know? Couching like to to make what it's by re reforming? Like, am I doing a central park no, park Carrington? No, I mean I think it's not, but I don't think that that's conscious. Yeah. Like if that's what you're doing, I don't think it's conscious. I think it's just learned. It's like yeah, learned, that makes it. Yeah, we learn. Like, oh, the whole world did it, and it's right. regurgitated. Like we, it's what we learn over and over and over, and then you learn. It, oh, slavery, it's over so long ago because nobody talks about Reconstruction and Jim Crow. Nobody talks about all the stuff. Nobody talks about the towns being burned, all of it, right? But like what it comes down to to me is a, I just think to wrap all this stuff up, I feel like it's just... Yeah, let's put a bow on this present to the world. It's just far more complicated and nuanced than we think it is. And I think that if you go hundreds of years 
believing one thing to be true that may not be true, right? It's hard to unbake that cake, right? And I think that we see that, again, if we take it out of the race and gender thing and put it into an age thing, it becomes very easy to see, right? Yeah. Like in your world, <clears throat> the benefit you and I have is not that we're older, it's that we're older and look younger. That's the benefit because we get to we get to be like, if I knew then what I know now, right? But we get to be who we are now and look like we did then. And that's a real benefit because, it, you know, I mean, in theory, right? That's a real benefit because you get around other people who you're like, I mean, I, I've seen dudes like I went to a, a impromptu jam the other day and I went to a couple of them. So I'm going to say this and each group of the people's like, what is he talking about us? If they, <laughs> if they watch this, but, but there are people in there when who they like, watch this, we're quite popular. Exactly. We are, but like there are people in there who are in their early forties. And I was like, my God, you look awful. Oh, like, I love awful. I, like, I, holy I, shit. I you had know, a comic like, that's open incredible. for me a little while ago that was two years or one year older than I am mm-hmm. and just looked. And so my opening and I, yeah. I said, can I pick on you a little like I just and, and, you know, because I, I don't want to make fun. So my opening comment was like, hey, uh, I'm, what is all that shit going to happen to me in one year? Like, that's my <laughs> joke is is <laughs> <You're an asshole. laughs> oh, I am definitely. But I get permission first. I don't want to just like get up and rip on someone. I say, hey, is it OK if I uh, put and they're like, ah, because but yeah, audiences <laughs> love it when I say, well, he said he's this old. I'm this old. Is all that shit going to happen? Like, I thought I was doing OK. And <laughs> Right. All right, so let's wrap this up. Um, uh, I think we should handle slavery, race, and uh, sexism, and everything like I handle uh, what I said earlier. It happened, uh, except that let's move on from this point forward. There, I just solved everything. <laughs> I mean, I think, that, but I mean, I think that you have a point. I think that here's what I would say because you're not wrong. What I would say is we have was, to acknowledge that it happened. Yeah, we have to accept that it happened. We have to be willing to move on. But in order to do that, we actually have to talk. Of, no, we don't have to talk about it. Well, I, <laughs> but people we get, have we're, to we're stuck on the first one. Something. We have to actually say and admit it happened and get it out there. Like, uh, uh, I'm not, we're not going to go down any more paths. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes. It goes to Ben Shapiro and Malcolm Nance on real time on Friday mm-hmm. and arguing over critical race theory versus history. And you know, if it's history, let's just get it out there. This is what happened. This should be taught um, because it happened and let everybody know what happened. Let them know how it happened. And let's just keep moving forward. All right. And, and let them know the dangers of what happens if we don't like to me. The, but the, we, the dangers are like, we're seeing it right now. Again, January 6th. Oh, let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's rewrite. It's we're, we're not willing. Right. We're not ready to do anything I mean, you and like, I are talking when, about. But when have we ever? Like, again, like the, like, I, again, I don't mean to pick on the race stuff, right? But when was the last, when was throughout history, when has any scientific skull measuring, nostril measuring, height measuring, the, this the measuring, that measuring thing done by some group of people who at the end determined that they were superior than everybody else? When was that ever actually accurate? Like in mm. history, like when did that ever actually happen? Nineteen thirty-nine <laughs> Germany, roughly. Right, exactly. Ah, oh, now right. I'm in trouble. I'm getting but canceled. You know, but you know what I mean? Like, like, like we have a way of like 
when we rewrite the history for like what we're talking about, we also do it like we do it as individuals, but we also do it, we on do like it as a collective scale. We do yeah. it on, right. Like the, it's funny because like we could sign off with this, I suppose. When I look at the country sometimes and I see the kind of divisions and the kind of let's call them diseases. If you called each thing a disease, a certain kind of cancer, a certain kind of like, why is type two diabetes a thing? Cause we like our sugar. We like our shit sugared. We like, you know what I mean? Sugar is delicious. Right. But it's not even that. Like we like everything sugar coated. It's a, it's a really good analogy. Ah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Our food and our history. Right. Like, like we have like what would be the equivalent of historical diabetes where the sugar, the sugar, the, oh, the sugar like coating analogy. is starting like to kill us. I like this very much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, we have that. When you look at stuff like cancer, you look at the country and you can make an analogy uh, that we have these huge pockets of cancer. Mm-hmm. You can look at it and go, well, this race represents the heart and this represents the soul and this represents the this and this represents the that or this is the heart and this is the pancreas and this group kind of does this. And it's like, yeah, except that while the heart is very much the heart and your lungs are very much the lungs, they don't fight over who's more important. Yeah. Right. They just go, Hey, we need to work together. And they, they, like, like if you like all of it, and if you bring that down to the microcosm of your family, of your relationships, chances are you'll find the same problems to a different degree in your own life. Like, and we can pick up there next week. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a great place to somebody hold us to this. Cause I would like to talk about like, the parallels like how our sugar coating our lives really does give us the equivalent of a kind of psychic no, or I, emotional diet. I think it's a fucking you know fantastic I mean? analogy. So you know, so yeah. But yeah, let's sign off. Give these people a break. All right. Katie Henry music.com musical director. October fifteenth, uh, the record comes out. She's Title. flying down uh, on my way. She's flying down. She's doing the Blues Caravan for the label this year with Galia Volt and Eddie Nine Eddie Nine V and Galia Volt. And last week you filmed a video for the first we single. We did. We did film the video for On My Way, which will probably be out in the next. We should have the roughs back probably soon. We don't have them back yet, but by the end of this week, we should have our roughs back. And speaking of last week, if you have are still listening, made it this far. Hey, Barrett, why didn't we release a podcast last week? Oh. Because we recorded one, we actually talked to a Satanist. Barrett and I had a guest on. It was a Satanist. And apparently Jesus didn't like that very much because after it was over, I hit stop record. Everybody said goodnight. And then it said it was, you know, I don't know how many people use Zoom, but it did that thing like, you need to save this. And, it, you know, the bar went, you know, all the way across. And then when it finally said it was done, I'm like, good. And I went and did something. I came back to my computer to put it into edit and it was gone. And I spent over 30 minutes on Zoom help uh, with a chat support saying, okay, look here. I'm like, I'm in my Zoom folder. It's gone. They're like, okay, let's look here. I'm like, okay, please. And they're like, <laughs> where? And they're like, where is it? And I'm like, I, that's why I'm on Zoom chat with you. That's why I'm talking. And, and so we, we talked to a Satanist last week and it disappeared. So we're going to try and get the Satanist and our favorite Christian Michael on a show together to have not yes. a debate, but an interesting discussion. All right. Yeah. Um, Santa Claus versus Jesus. <laughs> Nathan South Park. <laughs> yeah. NathanTimmel.com is where you find me. New comedy. No, uh, kind of new. I call it. I have 6.5 albums out. Uh, there's seven, <laughs> but it's 50% new stuff, 50% old stuff. 
100% clean. You can listen to it with grandma. I don't know that my next album will be clean, but I wanted to get one clean album out. It's called Skinny Fat. I'm putting the graphic up now. And the book is still, you know, people are liking it when they find it. Uh, we are 100. It's available on Amazon. And uh, either the people that hate it are extremely polite. And if that's the case, thank you for not uh, posting negative reviews <laughs> because all the reviews so far are really positive and that yeah. makes me happy. All yeah, right. Good shit, dude. Talk to you later, my friend. Yeah, man. See ya.